MMA Sucker Radio is the number one podcast in Regina, Okotoks, and Bacon Cove. Thank you, Canada. Okay, I remember the days. High rights, low lefts, even Stevens and Fades. Troops, Lottos, and BKs, those was the days. High tech boots, spray painted with your names. T-shirts, airbrushed, they read the same. They carrying bone chain. One go with your initial. Harry's photos, group shots, can you remember? Bury him, told his bitch, go to the prime and die. Okay, you want me to do the intro right now? Good time for an intro. Okay. MMA Soccer Radio. Like you didn't know, you clicked on the freaking link. <laughs> Unless it was an accident. Uh, Just in case you don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's what this show is. Good one. Uh, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> that was pretty deep. That's uh, what it is. Okay? It is. what it is. Trevor Duick here alongside Jeremy Brand. What, my what, name. What we had a week off here. Yeah, we Vacation. did. Vacation. Kind of get back in the uh, mode. Welcome back to uh, the greatest show on the planet Earth. <laughs> what did you do uh, when you had your time off? It's summertime, you're not uh, doing your day I job. I went camping for four days up in uh, British Columbia, Squamish. Alice Lake was the place we went. With the kidlets? With uh, two of the kids, yeah. And it was fun, sunny, hot, and uh, I got away from you. <laughs> Yes, yes, he did. So it's nice to be back doing the show. And, and it's fight week. You're very excited about that. It's in Seattle. It's we get good, to go. It's a good... You know what? There's so many people out there trashing this card. And, and, and we did that contest where you could submit a statue, win yourself a pair of these tickets. Yep. And I actually had people fucking messaging me saying, eh, I wouldn't even drive to Seattle for this card. Really? That's what people were saying? I've had a few you, people you get say free that. tickets to go to a UFC event, and you didn't even make the effort to get them? No, I don't know. exactly. So people are trashing on it. I think it's a very, very, very good fight card, actually. Top to bottom, there's not a fight on this card that upsets me. Yeah, cool. And by the way, um, we had a contest, right? Yeah. And we had someone who actually won those tickets yes we did and and i'm looking for his name this is just how prepared i am <laughs> his name was andrew something i believe yeah i will let you know what it was just yeah. one second here well you know it was on the website and now it's gone That's well all. yeah when we don't have a contest there's no need for the contest to have. well fine his name was aaron christopher brevik the dude submitted a bear statue yes. in his jujitsu gi on a rainy day yeah it, it, was, it was pretty cool. badass it was on our website Maybe we'll have to put it back up. It's a very cool picture. and um, It is still on he's the website. From, he's from Fort St. John. There's a lot of people from Fort St. John. Good. All yeah. right. All right. <laughs> but that's it's quite the drive. It's a bit of a trek. It's about a 14-hour drive from Fort St. John just to Vancouver. And, and he's going, so to, he's and he's going to, to make the he's going to make the trek all the way again to Seattle. And so he deserves the tickets just for that. I mean, that guy's going to drive 14 hours to go no, to no, you. No. 14 hours just to Vancouver. Then he's got to make the trek down to Seattle. Oh, so, so 16, 16 hours. hours. 16 hours to go to UFC event. Dude, you, you congrats on those tickets. So, <laughs> man, that is commitment. Hell, and I he, think the commitment was just submitting that statue, Matt. <laughs> it seemed like some, it was a tough thing for a lot of people to do, though. They I don't know whether it was submitting the statue or whether it was just pure fucking laziness. I'm thinking it's laziness. Like, we had, like, maybe, what, 10 pictures? I don't know, something like that. People are lazy. Um, this is for UFC tickets. Exactly. 
It was so easy for us to pick the best one. They were all great. I, I actually like the one with the guy standing on top of the statue with the sign that clearly says, please don't climb on the statue. Yeah, <laughs> that one was pretty funny. Um, there uh, were some good ones. There was a guy submitting a pig in downtown Vancouver with an ankle lock or a, a knee bar, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It, there was somebody in Seattle that uh, submitted, um, was it? Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. He, no, Jimi Hendrix was submitting him from the looks of it. He was in a bit of a crucifix. Who knows? There was something sexual going on there. Jimmy was there. That's why I didn't win. I just didn't want to keep looking at that picture. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, um, congratulations on the show today. You did an interview. I did do an interview. UFC flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson uh, fighting this weekend. As we said, it's fight week. He's in the main event of UFC on Fox 8 against John Moraga. Many people don't even know who he is. And this has to be one of the most flying under the radar title fights ever yeah. in UFC history. Um, not only the title fight alone, but uh, his opponent are very under the radar. They're, they're but I did do it. Yes, I did do an interview with him. We can talk a bit more about that main event after. Um, had an interview for him talking about uh, this fight. Cool. And uh, apparently, it went really well. And All my interviews go well. I and <laughs> you, you got us uh, Jordan Breen, which he, will be fun to guy, talk to. The guy is like. Well, we just listen, really. You know, Jonathan Snowden likes to call himself the MMA encyclopedia He's on not. Twitter. No. Jordan Breen is the the man's. Oh my goodness, I can't even explain He's this awesome. guy. He's got He's awesome. The most knowledge. He can pronounce any name in the book, no. which uh, you can't do. And uh, no. He's just great. It's difficult for me. <laughs> it truly is. Um, you know what, though, I love about Jordan Breen is that he was one of the first people that I started listening to when I was, you know, from a young age. Sure Dog. Well, the whole thing. Sure young, Dog was my... young age. Well, but I was younger. Yeah, younger than younger. I am now. I agree. Yeah. You weren't young, but yes. I was um, in my <laughs> 20s. Yes, exactly. For sure. But yeah, the Jordan Breen show on the Sure Dog Radio Network was definitely one of my... It was my go-to show. Still is a show to go to. Yes, I'm not saying that. Sure Dog, saying, sure Dog has always been there. Good, good website. Saying they were my original go-to show. Was Sure Dog a big influence on you? In terms of MMA, starting up were, a mixed martial arts website. Mm, yes, they were one of the three or four sites that I perused on a daily basis Ooh. when I first started this perused. site. Um, what else were you perusing? <laughs> you just like that word, eh? No, yeah, I love Sure Dog. Awesome. So we're going to talk to Jordan Breen uh, about, you know, just some topics of conversation that are out there. It's kind of a slow MMA news week. There's not really much going on. When when Tito Ortiz and uh, Stephen Bonner are getting, new, you know, news nude? to... N- n- not nude. <laughs> Hope to God not. Um, but getting news. I mean, they're on a couple websites. They talk a little trash. Not that it's really a big deal. It's just it's a slow news week. So we'll ask Jordan Breen about stupid shit like that. It is a slow news week. There's been a f- few fight announcements, but other than that... Not a hell of a lot for us Roy to Nelson. Talk about. We'll ask him about Roy Nelson, That's who just good. signed yeah. yep, brand new fight deal. He says he'll be fighting for the UFC for the rest of his life. So we'll, we'll talk all about that in this show. So I guess we should probably start with the show. Everybody, uh, you know what I'm saying? Check it. 
Well, it's the M.I. Cricket letter. He's the UFC's first ever flyweight champion and will be taking on John Moraga at this weekend's UFC on Fox 8 event. Please welcome back to the show, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Mighty Mouse, thanks for taking the time today, bro. Hey, sir. I appreciate you guys having me on again. For sure. Now, before we get to your fight, just want to give you a big congratulations on becoming a father. And uh, obviously, um, I've heard people dubbing you already Mighty Dad. Uh, How does it feel to be a father, man? Uh, it feels good, man. It, it's it's very exciting. You know, we had a need, uh, destiny are blessed with a beautiful, healthy little baby boy. And uh, we're just excited for, you know, the next next chapter in our life. For sure. It's pretty cool to see um, behind the scenes with the primetime series and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you guys just anticipating the baby coming. And then and then it actually comes just after, I guess, the primetime series had wrapped up. Um, how do you think being a father will change your sort of outlook on training and, and fighting in general? You know, um, obviously, um, it, it, it just changes for me to... Uh, you know, one, provide for my son, make sure, you know, my career is going to be able to take care of me and my family, which it already has so far, um, and making me just train hard and make sure I can keep on, you know, providing for the family, honestly. For sure. Now, you told me um, prior to this interview that this interview is happening in between training sessions. Uh, you've already had a training session today. What do these sort of last-minute training sessions look like? Because um, it is fight week, and uh, what intensity are they ran at? You know, uh, this morning's training camp was running pretty, you know, pretty good. It was a good intensity. Um, we're just, you know, fine-tuning everything, make sure the body's a good burning calories, making sure uh, everything's going good, technique's looking good, and um, just make sure I'll be spot on on uh, July 27th, this Saturday. So it's more of a more of a mental thing and just sort of keeping your flow then, eh? Yeah, and making sure, you know, our body's still, you know, uh, you know, burning calories, you know, I, I got to make sure I get my weight down and, you know, just, just, just keeping the body active. So, you know, when I go in there on Saturday, it's not my first hard workout. It's, you know, it's almost building up to that. For sure. Now, as mentioned in the intro, you are taking on John Moraga at this uh, upcoming event on Saturday. Uh, the fight was actually supposed to go down at Tough 17 finale this past April, um, but you were forced out due to an injury. Obviously, you're completely healed up because you're fighting this Saturday, but just give us a walkthrough on the whole recovery process and has how training's gone since. Yeah, the recovery process, it was, uh, I did uh, six weeks of physical therapy, took six weeks off, and also prior to that six weeks, I got um, uh, surgery, a debridement in my shoulder, which he, uh, Dr. Topfane went in there and uh, basically uh, frayed off the uh, rough edges of my labrum. Um, which, you know, takes away the pain and all that stuff from when I'm training. And, you know, training's been going great. I've been feeling really good this whole training camp. And, you know, got some great sparring. I think this is probably the best sparring I've ever had. And just, just focus and ready to get out there, man. What, uh, what sort of, what was it, what did it feel like coming back after the whole surgery and stuff like that? You said you took six weeks off. What was it like getting right back in there after those six weeks? It was refreshing. Um, having six weeks off, from training and doing anything, just letting your body heal, giving your body a chance to actually just not get beat on for a while. It actually felt good just because your body, you only get one body and you want to treat it, you know, the best you can. And so for me to get back in there and start working out, you know, getting sweat, getting my heart rate up to like 185 beats per minute, this felt refreshing and um, I was super excited that uh, I got back in there as possible. For sure. Did your weight go up quite a bit during that time? Um, the heaviest I've ever been was, uh, this, this last, uh, 
time. Like, I got to like 148, 150. Um, and that's just prior to the surgery, me not working out. But, you know, I'll stall at 148 with some abs and stuff. I wasn't as fat, you know. I yeah. got John Jones put you here, right? For sure. Now let's talk about your opponent here a little. Your, you know, your speed and agility is obviously your number one asset in the octagon, and has been able to to win you many fights, including the title. However, John has mentioned uh, in in past interviews and on the conference call and and stuff like that that you're just a guy that likes to bounce around a lot. Uh, what are your thoughts on those comments? You know, those thoughts don't you know bother me at all. You know, all the guys that I beat, you know, Joseph, John Dotson. Um, obviously, it gave those guys fits, and I believe those guys are way better fighters than a, uh, a better fighter than John. And you know, um, I think that's my style, and I think he doesn't understand why I do it. It confuses people, and I'm setting stuff up. So um, I'm just looking forward to going out there and using my skill sets and taking my angles on it. And maybe he talks a lot about the bounce around because he doesn't know how to deal with it, and um, he'll find out July 27th. For sure. Now you you said that Benavides and Dodson were were. I don't know whether you'd say higher class opponents, but I would personally possibly say that they're they're a little above Moraga in in talent out there. Do you feel he is a worthy opponent? Absolutely. You know, I mean, he's won two fights in the UFC um, by finish, so that's to give him some credit. And I'm just going to get in there fight him. You know, obviously UFC thinks he's good enough to fight me, so um, we'll find out July 27th. I mean, it's only a couple of days away. <laughs> for sure. Now, um, you spoke about him finishing two fights in the UFC. Do you feel any added pressure to finish this fight since people have complained about your recent string of decisions? Not at all. Um, I, I expect myself to go out there to go out and defend my, my title and put on a great show. For sure. Now, Dana has actually spoken about that. I mean, a lot of fighters, especially in the lighter weight classes, you know, you guys get negativity about fights going the distance and whatnot. But Dana did give you guys support and say that your guys' fights are super exciting. How does it feel to have the boss on your side? Oh, it feels great because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's the manager of the company and he's a big dog. So you want to make sure your boss is happy. Um, If your boss ain't happy, then we're going to have problems. But at the end of the day, you know, we're fighting the best guys in the world. You know, this is the top of the cream, man. Um, nobody, a lot of the guys in the private division haven't been finished a whole entire career, so that's got to say a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, this will be your second straight Fox card. Uh, do you like fighting on Fox, and, and do you think that the flyweights could carry a pay-per-view? Absolutely, you know. I mean, there's, I think a Fox can carry a pay-per-view, and I love fighting on the Fox card. It gives me a great platform to fight on. It gives a, a great platform for um, fans to get to know uh the fighters um that are fighting on Fox. So I like it. Um and I hope I keep on fighting on Fox and hopefully one day I can make my um change to pay per view and uh hopefully do as well as GSP and Andrew Silva do. Nice. Now just a couple more questions for you, Demetrius, before we let you get on with your day here. How excited are you to be fighting at home for the first time with the UFC? Super excited. Um I used to be always, you know, worried about fighting at home and being scared just because, you know, I don't want to lose in front of, you know, my whole family or hometown. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm more mature in my career. Um, I feel more comfortable fighting now. So I'm just going to go out there and just fight and put on a good show. Because it's at home, do you have a lot of people calling you up and saying, I'm coming down to watch you? Uh, not calling me, but telling me that they're coming down to watch me to fight, you know, via, you know, Facebook and Twitter and stuff. For sure, man. Yeah, that's totally cool. I couldn't imagine like performing or doing anything at that stage in front of my hometown. It must 
obviously it's super nerve wracking, but at the same time, the, the, the intensity and, and you're just out there to fight for your fans, man. That's so cool. Exactly. So yeah, I'm excited and I'm sure you go out there and put on a good show. Um, finally, before we let you go, it always comes back to this, but with fatherhood happening, obviously video games have to take a bit of a back burner, but, uh, with all the fall releases coming out, what game are you most stoked for? Um, so far, I'm playing Halo 4 right now as I'm talking to you. So, video game is not even taken away all the way yet. Um, the biggest <laughs> thing I'm looking forward to is uh, Castlevania of Water Shadows 2. Um, I'm a huge uh, fan of that. I played the first one, and it was just an awesome storyline about, you know, the uh, Belmont clan and how Dracula became to be and how the Belmont's curse with it. So, kind of interested to see how it follows up. And other than that, man, that's. Um, that's it. I would say Dark Souls 2, but that comes out in March 2014, and obviously the new console by Xbox One. Other than that, nothing too much that catches my eye. Have you had a chance to try that Xbox One out yet? I have not. I heard at uh, the uh, San Diego Comic-Con that they had it out there, and, and they gave people a bit of a test run on it, and they, it s- sounded like pretty good things from it. That's good, man. I'm glad to hear that. So you're playing Halo 4 right now as we speak. Uh, there was another fighter out there that called you out to play you in Halo 4. Did that ever come about? No, it did not. It was Phil Davis. Um, it has not came about. Um, only time I play video games is during training sessions. So, and the reason why is because I, I like to stay up to the gym and I drive back home. And it just and I have like two hours to kill. So, um, But it has not came to be and hopefully it does. But if not, no worries. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Perfect. He is Demetrius Johnson. He's taking on John Moraga at UFC on Fox 8 in his home state of Washington this Saturday night. All the best, Demetrius, and good luck. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Good interview. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so who are you taking that fight? You're taking Demetrius? I am. Okay. Um, Caddy, we got you. He's come on our show so many times, and it's he, it's like he's family now. He's I an agree. honorary sucker. Yes, I think we, we uh, favor him a little bit. A little bit of bias. A little bit of bias. Um, and also, if you come on our show, you usually win fights. That you do. We so actually have a pretty good record. Not. A, I think we should start keeping track. Even. Yeah. Maybe posting it on the MMA Sucker Radio page and just say, you know, times guests have won, time guests have lost. I, I think do our think numbers you, you are you could go in back the in the archives? Possibly, yeah. yeah. I'm sure I could. Do I want to or not? Maybe. Yeah, that's but a lot of work. Maybe we just start now. Start with the champ. Right now. Starting this weekend. So starting with the champ. Yeah, we'll see. There we go. Um, I think we should dissect that card a little bit more later on in the show. Well, we could uh, we could talk a little bit about it with our next guest, uh, Jordan Breen from uh, Sure Dog Radio. He is the host of the Jordan Breen Show and many other podcasts on SureDog.com. He's a good Canadian kid from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Jordan, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging with us tonight. Oh, my pleasure. So I got to ask you. So what are you doing on SureDog these days? Because I, I seem to see your name on a lot of di- a lot of the different podcasts on there, and I've, I've listened to a couple. But what what are, what are you doing on there right now? Well, as, as far as the internet goes, I mean, if you want to work on the internet and actually make a living at it, you kind of have to be able to do multiple things at once. So yeah. in terms of the radio stuff, it's it's Cheapsies every Tuesday and Thursday, and then yeah. Fridays, the occasional roundtable, and then Pete Trump's the Bell if appropriate. 
So anywhere between two and four times a week. So when you work with any of your co-hosts, are they playing any video games while you're talking, like Candy Crush or something like that? Because I have a co-host who apparently, I just found out today, plays video games while I do these interviews. I uh, I don't know. I guess that'd probably be a better question for them. I don't notice. Uh, I know TJ does, but I mean, TJ's, <laughs> TJ's running the board, so I guess uh, it, it's kosher. It's kosher for him. If anything, I have to admit guilt. Like, I've, I've, I've done it on air before. Yeah. Oh, really? What, what are you, what so, are you, is on your phone, obviously. So you've been playing something on your phone. Like, what do you play? I, oh, I was, I was, I was particularly craven and terrible. I wasn't even playing on a, on a phone. I was actually playing some Wii stuff. And I was actually given, I was given away by TJ hearing the controller rumble because it was too close to my headset. So, uh, I'm a scumbag like that. <laughs> Okay, man. Right on. Okay. Well, I got to ask you, um, you know, before we uh, we talk about uh, UFC on Fox 8, um, do you w- actually watch every MMA event that's currently going on in the world that you can actually watch? Because I've noticed that about you, is that, like, you watch and cover pretty much every event that's out there. Oh, uh, well, I wouldn't say every single one that you could watch, because you can find free streams of just about everything. I mean, yeah, I guess you're so. being, if, you, if, you're, if you're really, like, Die hard, serious about it, and wanted to dedicate your weekend just to, you know, watching Brazilian MMA cards. You could probably get, you know, three to six in a weekend just off free streams alone. So nice. huh. I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I watch absolutely everything, but you know, the stuff, the the more mainstream stuff. Obviously, like every UFC gets watched, every Bellator gets watched. Uh, if it's on Access TV, it'll get watched. Every Invicta stuff like that. Uh, but I wouldn't say there's there's definitely sometimes I uh, I try to uh, budget my time slightly better and may pass on an MMA event in favor of something slightly more enriching. Yeah, yeah. So Access TV, are you are you in Canada right now? You're still out there out east. Yes. Yeah. So do you get Access TV? Because we don't out here. I don't think you can get it anywhere in Canada. No, can you? I have no idea. I don't. I don't pay for cable. Oh, well, God bless you. That's a great answer. <laughs> but um, here's a quick question for you. Roy Nelson just uh, signed a uh, apparently a large, large contract, and now apparently he's fighting uh, Daniel Cormier at UFC 166. I, I don't know about you, man, but I'm not really too excited about that fight. I, I really don't know what there is to gain for Daniel Cormier but fighting Roy Nelson. Uh, what say you? Well, if you're Dan Cormier, you're going to get paid. You're probably going to get paid your winner's bonus as well. <laughs> and it can serve as another intermediary fight in which, you know, he can try to come into the fight at 225 pounds, 230 pounds, and continue maybe paring down the weight, getting more serious about dropping down to 205 pounds and fighting John Jones, of course. While Daniel Cormier has been adamant that that's ultimately what he wants to do inside the UFC, there is the very niggling and unfortunate effect. And last time he tried to even get close to that ballpark, trying to yeah. make 96 kilograms or 211 pounds for the Olympics in 2008, his kidney shut down. He wasn't actually able to wrestle uh, on a simple second Olympic team. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see whether or not uh, the weight becomes a major issue around the fight. But I think it will be the more interesting kind of piece of it because really outside of a right-handed haymaker, Roy Nelson doesn't have a, a great shot. It's not a stylistic matchup that's really advantageous to him in any way. Dan Cormier should be able to really much, pretty much just have his way with Roy Nelson however he wants it. But uh, in a way, if this is going to be the first fight on Roy Nelson's new deal, it is symbolic because it's symbolic of the way that he's going to get used. Roy Nelson is a, he's a plug to fill a hole. Hey, we need a showcase opponent for an actual elite heavyweight that we want to leverage into a title fight. 
hey, you can fight Roy Nelson. Hey, you need someone that will just stand up and trade punches with a mid-level heavyweight. Hey, we have Roy Nelson. <laughs> I think this is pretty much the kind of use that we'll see. I mean, even even on his Ultimate Fighter deal that he was on forever, he pretty much, towards the end of his contract, vacillated in these kind of uh, fights anyway. You know, you get creamed by the likes of a Verdum or Amir, and then get to beat up dudes like Matt Mitrion. So I really don't expect too much to change for Roy, Roy Nelson. I'm sure he might find the money more accommodating than the terrible stifling um, ironclad ultimate fighter deal, but there's probably going to be a lot more of this in there over the balance of however many fights and years that Roy Nelson's uh, on this particular deal. A couple times he'll probably get put against elite heavyweights in a showcase fight type scenario and get beat up the same way he did against me or the same way he did against Verdun. Don't you think with with Daniel Cormier calling, well, he, he was saying he wanted John Jones. You're saying maybe this is a bit of a step so he can get used to cutting down a little longer. Um, he was also calling out the heavyweight champion, obviously, if it wasn't Cain Velasquez. Don't you think fighting Roy Nelson is a bit of a lose-lose situation for him, though? Well, I mean, he gets paid. His, his professional yeah. occupation is prize fighter. It's never really lose-lose. Yeah. Um, and he's so much better than Roy Nelson. Like, I think there's the potential out there for him to turn in a fight that maybe doesn't look great. Maybe it's like a rerun of the mirror fight. He wins 30-27, but people don't feel really enthused. I could see that maybe being a potential outcome, but I mean, what Daniel Cormier's got to fight somebody. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't I think Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson's not the most appealing option. No, but I mean, what would you rather I'm, see him fight? I mean, if, if he's going to stay at heavyweight for for this next fight, I mean, I mean, is there someone else? Yeah, I mean, at this point in time, I I mean, let's be realistic. Uh, Verdum's going to end up getting another fight anyway. I'd yeah, rather I mean, than cut the chase and Verd- do the Verdum fight. Because, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If if this is the fight they give to Cormier, we know that like Verdum isn't just going to sit there waiting for the winner of Junior DeSantis and Cain Velasquez. I would I would hazard a guess if Travis Brown beats Alistair Overeem, they probably definitely pull the trigger on that fight. They might even do a third Overeem-Verdum fight even though, you know, the second one devolved into something you wouldn't necessarily want to watch. I could still see them pulling that repeat anyway. Verdun's yeah. going to end up getting another fight anyway. Um, that's a style matchup that is still really good for Daniel Cormier. It's a fight that he could potentially win by knockout, but also test with chops in some other ways that very few guys in the division are going to be able to test him. That's more fun than Roy Nelson, who has even less of a shot. I mean, if we're talking about the caliber of a fighter, it's it's a no-brainer. I mean, we're, he's actually fighting Roy Nelson, a dude who got beaten from pillar to post by Fabrizio Verdun. Yeah. Like, just got absolutely murderized. So, I mean, it's really no contest if we're being serious about it. But, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's making me think sometimes. Yeah, it does. I know. Um, Tito Ortiz uh, and Daniel – or, sorry, Daniel Corman. Yeah, they're both in the news. Tito Ortiz and Stefan Bonner, though – I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta ask you pre. I gotta ask you guys preemptively. Like, do you guys care about this, or are you guys caring about it because you think other people care about it? I, I was just gonna ask you that. They were in the news and they were, you know, talking a little bit of trash, and because you know Ortiz doesn't think Bonner should be in the Hall of Fame, and blah blah blah, and Bonner, you know, struck back with his own little comments. I was just gonna ask you, like, really, like, is this really that interesting? I mean, these are both two retired guys. Um, are they maybe trying to play a little bit to see what the reaction is, to maybe come out of retirement at some point? I mean, do you honestly think Tito Ortiz is going to stay retired? No, but at the same time, I, I don't think. I think even if he was going to stay retired, he would still be motivated to say foolish stuff like this. I mean, even if Tito was actually going to stay retired, 
he would still be a merciless attention whore who loves the spotlight. That's true. Yeah. He's, he's still he's still going to say weird inflammatory things to make sure people pay attention and listen to him. And as for Stephen Bonner, he's someone that's you know chimed in on the UG for years about various things about his career and so on and so forth. And seems to be a guy who kind of gets upset when people, you know. I don't want to say talk about him, but he's a guy that seems to like to have some say in the narrative about him. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not too surprised that there are guys that got into some bickering online. But I mean, think of the content. You know, this would be this this to me would be interesting. I'm not saying I'm just excluding it because it's Tito Ortiz and Stephen Bonner, and categorically, I would never care about anything they had to say. Although that's like almost 95 percent true. Um, I would say, I would say if they were, if they were really debating something interesting, if Stefan Bonner was like, Hey, Tito Ortiz, so you're managing one of the most important women in the world and appear to have no business sense, despite having been on The Apprentice. How about that? And then it turned into this big conversation about Chris Cyborg's career. Like maybe I could entertain that as a serious talking point or something relevant. But here's the thing. The UFC Hall of Fame is the, the jokiest joke in town, and everybody knows it. Hmm. And it's, it's insane that anybody, like, this is the thing that blows me away about the UFC Hall of Fame. Everybody's discourse on the UFC Hall of Fame is the same. All right, so so-and-so's going to go into the UFC Hall of Fame. All right, like, we know it's not really a Hall of Fame. It just kind of comes down to Dana White and whatever. But we're going to treat it like a serious idea, even though we all know and freely admit that it's a joke. Like, which one is it? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, mean, I, I get, I get, I get why you want the news headline, want people to click on, like, oh, so and so's the UFC Hall of Fame, like maybe we can, uh, just really, really get people excited to click on our website if the UFC Hall of Fame is part of the narrative. But the fact is, when it actually comes to people covering MMA, like everybody knows better. Yeah, everybody. Every time someone retires, is always like, oh, does this guy belong in the Hall of Fame? There's no standard. Just does Dana White want him in the Hall of Fame or not? I mean, the, the closest synonym for you know the UFC Hall of Fame is Dana White's like thanks guys trophy case hangout something or other. So I mean, if you've ingratiated yourself with Dana White, cool. You can yeah. you can definitely hop on that list. But it's not a legitimate Hall of Fame, and so it's really hard for me to listen to two guys bicker about. Well, this guy doesn't actually belong. Like, well, no one really belongs in the sense that it's an absolute sham. Yeah. So when are we going to see a real Hall of Fame? Because, you know, there's a lot of esteemed journalists out there and people who've been in this you know, business for a while, such as you and many others, that I think that there should be some sort of organization out there that has its own you know, realistic Hall of Fame that looks at more than just the UFC. Well, I mean, what's, what's an appropriate length of time to allow pass before you have a Hall of Fame? You know? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'd like, I'd certainly like some more distance because I mean, I, I've even even looking how at how people's thoughts have changed over you know the geez, God, almost I mean, like ten years I've been watching. I'm mean, just going on fourteen now. Yeah, uh, is yeah. It, isn't that not a long enough? There. Isn't that not not a long enough time? I think you could definitely have one or two people you could put in right now from from you know way back in you know the early two you know mid two thousands. Oh, I don't think it's I don't think it's about being able to find like an introductory class. I don't think yeah. that's the issue. It's that if you're inducting people every year, are you going to be doing it with a rapidity that outweighs, you know, people's actual accomplishments? Because I mean the thing in MMA is, um, there's a lot of guys that are incredibly strong pioneering forces 
who are, you know, Hall of Fame worthy. And there's also lots of people that are simple cogs in history that were important peripheral figures for one reason or another, mm-hmm. but weren't necessarily great. And that's a thing I see a lot when Hall of Fames come up. It's like uh, this this assumption that, like, you know, the kind of people who would want an MMA Hall of Fame would want Mo Smith in it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that's something that I think at this point in time it's hard to shake. So... <laughs> I'd say, I don't know, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing where we're at like 20 years from now. I know a lot of people have initiatives far ahead of that and want to get one off the ground. But I'd like to be able to look back at like 40 years of MMA and, you know, think carefully about everything at this point in time. Obviously, we can single out guys like a Hoist Gracie or a Dan Severn in the proto-era of MMA or modern greats like Federer-Lenenko and George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. We understand that if and when there is a Hall of Fame that these guys are, are going to be in there. No one's questioning whether or not there's going to be a spot for the bust of Sakuraba. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, some historical perspective might be nice. I think it'd be... It's, I think it's surprising, ultimately, what comes out over history. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it intrigues me looking at the way people talked about events that happened in the past you know, even 10 years ago versus the way people will talk about, you know, the same events now. So when there's like a greater kind of collective memory, I'm curious in in sort of how people realize or see greatness. Um, Moving on here to uh, UFC on Fox 8. Uh, Just, you looking forward to this card? I'm actually, you know, looking at it again. We haven't looked at it for a couple weeks, the card. I'm actually, there are some pretty sweet-ass fights on this card. And the one, you know, one fight that's the co-main event that it's really being treated almost like the main event, Zori McDonald, Jake Ellenberger, just with the amount of press it's getting. Um, so I'm going to go right to that one. Uh, who do you like in this fight? And, you know, there I know a lot of people out here, of course, in Canada are going to be taking Rory McDonald, but realistically, um, you know, this this is obviously the toughest fight in Rory's career. This this is not a gimme fight for McDonald. This is, this is not, this no. is going to be a tough, in fact, I'd almost say that this is, a pick em fight. I, I honestly don't know who I'm going to take in this. Uh, I would say, even though I would probably classify it as the toughest fight of Roy McDonald's career as well, I think he deserves to be the minus 200 or whatever favorite he is at this point in time, minus 240. Yeah. Um, Alan Berger is a, is a weird specimen in MMA. He's obviously an elite welterweight, but he's limited. He gets tired after about seven or eight minutes in every single fight. Every punch he throws is basically full force until he's tired. But at the same time, he's a tricky southpaw. He can wrestle as well. Um, but Ellenberger, I think there's a lot of things that won't bode well for him here. First of all, he's a really inefficient takedown guy. He's a guy that shoots a lot in order to achieve takedowns, and especially if he starts getting beat up on the feet at all or actually does get tired, which I do anticipate, I think it will be difficult for him. I could see him having a pretty good first round, but... Uh, if he doesn't get off to a rip-roaring start, I think it, it could end up disastrous because he's certainly not the kind of guy that surges yeah. late. And Rory McDonald, historically, has actually gotten much better later in fights. I mean, he had to come back to beat Cajun Johnson earlier in his career. We saw it again in the Penn fight, a fight where he just really cruised past the finish line in a major, major way once it was clear that Penn really didn't want to fight anymore. So I like McDonald. I could see him definitely stopping Ellenberger, I think. Uh, a tidy points win is probably more likely with it just being 15 minutes. But I think if Ellenberger doesn't land a powerful left hand and do it relatively quickly, he, he's going to be in deep. Because if he gets just caught on the feet like in a kickboxing match and it's blow for blow, I mean, he's a load up on one or two strikes kind of guy. I don't think that bodes well, as well as the fact that 
I think if they're just winging them on the feet for an extended period of time, he's going to shoot for takedowns. He's a guy that shoots from outside. Um, good athlete, good defensive wrestler. I think he probably shuts it down. That'll only complicate the cardio stuff. I like Rory McDonald. Yeah. And also, I mean, you look at Rory. I mean, he he's looking huge now. I mean, he's getting a lot bigger for a welterweight. And you always, it almost makes you wonder if this is, you know, if he wins this fight, could this be his last fight at welterweight? Maybe he he might be looking to move up just so just to avoid the whole, you know, possible scenario that might you know may play out uh, when George if George beats Johnny Hendricks, right? Um, you know, let's try to avoid that now because he does look quite a bit bigger. Do you not agree? Oh, I mean, he's definitely gotten bigger, but at the same time, I mean, he started as a lightweight as well, and by the time he got to the UFC, I mean, he really wasn't that big of a welterweight in the beginning. So I'd say he's more growing into a welterweight body and sort of developing the kind of body that we anticipate most high-level welterweights to have. I mean, it's a, it's a weight class that we've, for, for so long, mm-hmm. associated with kind of top-flight athleticism, even guys that you don't necessarily think of uh, in those parameters. I mean, like John Fitch is always sort of seen as a guy who's not necessarily athletic, but in the grand scheme of things, when you consider, you know, his size relative to so many other people in the weight class, you know, you're dealing with a, a big, strong kind of dude. So all these kind of traits are things we've traditionally associated with the 170-pound weight class. I think Rory McDonald just getting his man muscles and trying to join that group. Yeah, so you don't see him moving up to, to middleweight? Oh, I mean, I can definitely see it. He's still incredibly young. I mean, I mentioned yeah. him starting his career as a lightweight, but that's yeah. mostly part and parcel of the fact he was 15, 16 years old. So, I know. Um, this is crazy. It's MMA. I mean, this is this is a guy, we're literally talking about a guy that could fight for nearly, you know, two decades longer, potentially. Yeah. So, I mean, if he ended up at 205 at some point in his career, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. So what do they do with him then if he if he does win on Saturday? What what are your What's your prediction? Because, I mean, it does kind of put him in that awkward position that if George wins, I mean, what do you do? You see them fighting somewhere down the line? Uh, I don't think they're going to fight, but at the same time, I don't. I think I think the UFC are faithful that they can dodge that kind of timeline, and frankly, they might be able to. I mean, realistically, how many more title defenses are going to go to George St. Pierre? Really, I mean, he's going to fight Johnny Hendricks, and at the same time, McDonald's going to fight Allen Berger, and then what? How many like title defenses are we really looking at for George St. Pierre after that? Probably one or two, realistically. Two or three, maybe. Hmm. So even though, even though obviously we're like the, the drum's going to keep beating. I'm not saying that people aren't going to want Warren McDonald to fight George St. Pierre or um, aren't going to immediately seek some kind of resolution there. But I think the USC is hoping that by the time they've groomed McDonald as a complete title contender, GSP's either lost, moved on, done some dream fight type stuff. I'm, I'm thinking that they can, I'm thinking that they're trying to kind of bypass in that kind of way. And the fact is, though. Uh, they they still have a lot of guys at 170 pounds that they could match Warren McDonald against. And if he does lose, I think most people just take the fact of, well, he's still young, still improving. Hell, anything, whether Ellenberger or a fight after this, a loss could actually prove beneficial in a way. McDonald gets more time. Obviously, at that point in time, if he were to lose, you know, 8 to 12 months from now, only going to increase the chance that by the time he gets to the title, St. Pierre isn't there. So I'm thinking, realistically, the UFC probably realized St. Pierre is good for three fights tops in division, probably realistically more like one or two after Hendricks. I think they're hoping they can avoid the issue altogether. Absolutely. Um, quickly here, Demetrius Johnson, John Moraga, is this a, you know, it doesn't seem like this fight's getting a lot of you know publicity, but it's still a very, very interesting matchup. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, Demetrius Johnson, even if he's not normally the most finished prone guy, normally in pretty entertaining fights. I thought his fight with Dodson 
in January. It's the one best fight this year, easily. So uh, I expect to actually have a relatively fun fight. It's a fight that Demetrius Johnson can actually finish. I think there's enough difference in the submission yeah. area that if Demetrius Johnson really got after it, was able to take some dominant positions, uh, or even, who knows, go like wacky vacuum leg lock game, <laughs> I could actually see him tapping John Moraga, but... Just because Moraga is kind of a milk carton face and fairly anonymous for people, mm-hmm. people are down on the fight. But the fact is, like, Moraga's actually a good fight. Like, Moraga's not going to be a guy that we're going to – I don't think um, in history, even if we kind of look back to, like, oh, you like, remember when John Moraga fought for the UFC? Kyle and Noah knew who he was. I don't think people look back and go, like, man, dude, John Moraga fought for the UFC. Kyle, I don't think it'll be, like, a Talos Lates <laughs> embarrass yourself, embarrass your mother type situation. The guy can actually fight – He's good enough to land power shots in Demetrius Johnson standing. Even though Demetrius Johnson will have a wrestling advantage, Moraga wrestled in the past. He's pretty good athletically. He's not a guy that, even though he's going to be giving up, but obviously uh, a speed advantage to Demetrius Johnson is faster than most of the human population. He's still a, a pretty great athlete himself. Moraga's no bump. So even if Demetrius Johnson ends up polishing him off, I don't think anyone's going to look at the fight and just go, man, like that was silly and never hear from John Moraga again. It's probably going to be a top 10 flyweight picture for at least uh, a relatively short period of time because based on the crop out there right now, he actually is quite good. Like Chris Perry also is a good flyweight fighter, very solid. Uh, the way Moraga dealt with him in December was, was pretty darn impressive. And obviously he's just got with a more serious MMA team, taken up, you know, training more intensively with the MMA lab. I mean, Best might definitely be ahead of that, dude. He's a guy that I could see losing to Demetrius Johnson and going on to, to prosper in the future. After all, keep in mind, Demetrius Johnson's a guy that got a title shot in WC at a point where, you know, he didn't even have his real actual weight class yet, hadn't really hit a stride. So yeah. stranger things have happened. I expect Moraga to lose, but I expect him to actually fight well enough that no one thinks it's silly in hindsight, and he's actually a good fighter that'll probably have a UFC future. All right, we'll just cover those two fights on the card because I do want to ask you one more question before I let you go because, I mean, you know, you, you know a lot about, uh, you know, the sport and you're, you're quite educated and, and you're Canadian. So I want to get your thoughts on the, the mixed martial arts scene in Canada right now because it, it seems to be picking up a little bit of steam. Um, but, you know, still MFC is sort of the big show here. But, you know, there's the aggression fighting championships uh, that uh, is coming out from out west here that uh, I think is going to be doing some big things. I mean, what do you see the, for the future of the sport in, in, in this country right now? I think it's regional stability is the thing that really needs to be achieved. I think the problem is outside of a show like MFC or, or outside of really a select area, uh, it, it's hard to find the kind of infrastructure to make a show happen. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that when you look at more stable MMA brands or more stable MMA brands historically in Canada, a lot of them have been in Alberta and BC. I mean, obviously, other provinces, most notably Ontario, you uh, you don't, you know, you didn't have MMA for years and years and years. But out in Alberta and British Columbia, you know, you can get some serious, like, sponsors and companies involved. And there's, like, some people who are actually playing with money. You might get lucky, find a money mark, someone that wants to help you promote an event. Those opportunities, I think, are a bit richer out there. There's a reason why, like, people from all over Canada move out west to get work. You know, people follow the money. So um, I think it's it's not surprising, and I think it's a trend that will continue, that whether it's MFC or, you know, whether aggression can need to stick around. And I see no reason why aggression wouldn't. They've been, you know, fairly routinely turning out shows and yeah. actually do pretty decent in terms of the gate. So I, I expect more of that. I think the the real thing necessary is invigorating Ontario and Quebec, and and it's hard. Obviously, Quebec, 
there's always going to be the issue of organized crime and getting that kind of stuff off the ground. So you always kind of need the right people in the right moment and all that kind of jazz, uh, as well as the fact that um, people, you know, do, do you really want to go and just, you know, rock a bunch of local cards when you have an understanding that, hey, the UFC is going to be here once a year, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, and Ontario is another issue altogether. I mean, the Ontario yeah. Athletic Commission, in spite of allowing him, still really doesn't do anything to support it, uh, or boxing for that matter. Ken Hayashi has basically crippled both sports effectively. And pretty much anyone who's tried to put some money forth to put on a decent show in Ontario has lost money and really failed out of the gate. So, unless there can be a more kind of a hospitable situation, it's tough. It's tough. But I mean, it's it, it ends up being something where you you do need to be able to kind of create a brand and create some kind of like local regional identity. And regardless of what people think about a guy like Mark Pavlich, I mean, a lot of people in Alberta get hyped for those shows and a lot of the guys that they promote are popular locally. You look at a card as an MMA person and go like, man, really? And yet there's mad dudes on other cards that are selling hundreds and hundreds of tickets, just like, you know, some local tough who like, works on an oil field in Fort McMurray and a bunch of pals want to see him fight or whatever the case is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Guys who can do that are the people that, that end up thriving and, and being able to stick around. So uh, I think that's the thing that, that really hurts. It's just the kind of promoters that got involved, it's either people that thought like, oh, we can make a quick buck in you know, the post-UFC world and certainly doesn't work. Yeah, uh, and true. as well, and it's also tough as well because, I mean, it's it's – hard to kind of find people and athletes that are going to be popular locally, that are going to be able to sell tickets and really drive interest that aren't immediately going to go on to, you know, bigger and better things and prosper. So, I mean, that's why being able to build that brand becomes so crucial when it comes to promoting locally. Uh, and that's why over time you see like so many promotions that, you know, there really isn't any, anyone else who even touches them in their own respective territory. Um, you need that kind of, I don't know, constant brand familiarity for people in the local area and yeah. no one's been able to kind of even get to that point really in Canada because once they do two or three shows, you know, the money doesn't turn over and you know, yeah. that's it. Is there uh, is there fighters in Canada right now that you're, you know, that you see or that you've heard about that you think are the next big things coming out of Canada? Because that is one thing, although the, you know, the structure here, province, you know, Canada-wide, in each province is all kind of screwed up from province to province for the most part anyway. Um, there are, this country is turning out some some fighters, and uh, it seems to be very popular amongst uh, the younger generation. And so are you seeing anything out there that uh, gets you excited? I know Cajun Johnson, uh, a lot of people have talked about him. He's getting older, but, um, you know, there's probably a chance that maybe he could maybe get a sniff from the UFC. Um, anybody else that you that you know of? I mean, Kendrick Johnson's a good fighter and a guy that probably could have already gotten to the UFC at some point in time, but uh, I'm not sure necessarily I'd call him like a prospect at this point in time. Yeah, no. I don't know. Who, who really is like the best unsigned kind of Canadian fighter at this point in time? Most guys of a serious compete level have, have kind of already gotten snapped up. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, tough. I'm, I'm trying mean... to... I'm trying to think of someone out there right now that's just like, wow, like that guy needs to be in, in the big show. And I don't know. It's kind of tough. Probably Graham Spencer, maybe. A guy like Alex Ricci, I could say. Yeah, yeah Alex, Alex Ricci and Graham Spencer, I think, would, would definitely be up there. But again, it's not like we're talking about Rory McDonald-esque prospects. No. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's rare. It's, even if a country's turning out like a lot of MMA fighters in general, which, I mean, it's definitely the case in Canada, 
I mean, it's rare at this point in time to have any kind of uh, outstanding prospect who already hasn't been, like, signed or snapped up or, or inked almost immediately. And that's just the nature of it. I mean, years past, we'd still be talking about dudes that have USC deals but are on undercards and that kind of thing. But the fact is now guys like McDessie make it to the big show after, you know, five or six fights. Hmm. Awesome, man. Hey, we really appreciate talking to you, and we, we love having you on. And uh, like I said, you're like the encyclopedia for MMA. It's just uh, it's fun. We really appreciate it. Um, just let people know uh, where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and, you know, and uh, promote uh, SureDog because you're doing a hell of a job with that. Well, you can certainly listen to me Tuesdays, Thursdays on the Sure Dog Radio Network up with the Chiefs from the Holy Greg Savage, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, so noon to 2 Pacific. And also you can follow me on Twitter at Jordan Breen, at J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-N. Must have been a good interview because Jeremy was not playing video games while listening to you, so we appreciate it, bud. Well, I don't know. Maybe he just got better disguising. <laughs> Cool, man. Jordan, hey, thanks, and uh, good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you again, buddy. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, man, that was cool. Yes, the guy can talk. Um, it was a great interview. Gave some serious insight on some things. Yeah, you know what? I, just, I, didn't, uh, I didn't really have many questions planned. There just wasn't a lot of news going on, but I just wanted to talk to Jordan about uh, UFC on Fox 8 and his thoughts on Canada and MMA. And just, we have a lot of Canadians listening to our show. So, you know, it's cool. It's always good. We're going to have him on again. The guy is like one of those esteemed writers that uh, should be part of a Hall of Fame. But yeah, yeah, a real Hall of Fame, which I thought his thoughts on that were pretty interesting. I, I, think, it, I think we could have one now. I know he, I like his idea of waiting a bit longer, but I think he can technically do one. Now, who says, who's to say that you have to put somebody in the Hall of Fame every year? Yeah, it could be like a, when there is, says it. When there is. Four years, even. <laughs> or every two years, you know, or when, you know, there's, you know, I understand the, the yearly thing, but, I mean, to begin with, why don't you just do it when someone's deserving it? Agreed. Mm-hmm. Check mark. All right. Well, do we agree to end the show? The last few shows, no, I'd no? like to go over the Oh, you want to go over the Fox A card? Oh, well then. Well, we said that earlier on the show. Well, Let's sorry. Talk about it. Okay. Talk about it. I would it love to, actually. Sounds I just, good to I me. just thought you were going to end the show a little bit early today. That's Other cool. than the main card. Mm-hmm. The four fights on the main card for USD on Fox 8. Okay, well, first what? off, can I, let's let's do our picks for the no, first no. What? Okay, fine. Why? No, I want you to pick your sleeper pick for the fight card. Well, first off, before we do that, Demetrius Johnson, John, we didn't get to do this one. Okay, we were, I was going to go over those ones after you gave me your sleeper pick. Well, I'm going to do them right now. Demetrius Johnson, okay, John Morocco. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Demetrius Johnson, John Morocco, just quickly. We already talked about it. Demetrius Johnson is going to fucking kill him. Okay, that's who your take is. I was John Morocco. Sure we have this recorded. Yes, John Moraga could very easily land a puncher's punch because he's got great striking skills. Um, he's made fun of Demetrius Johnson's style. Um, he's finished his last two fights very aggressively. There is a possibility. No one knows who this kid is. Um, he's coming in under the radar. I think Demetrius Johnson is taking him seriously. And I think he's going to absolutely demolish him. Okay. I think he could even finish him. I just wanted to know your pick. So you're picking Johnson. I'm going to take Johnson. Are you taking Elberger or Rory McDonald? I'm taking Rory McDonald. I think okay. he's going to dominate him as well. Perfect. All right. I'll take uh, Rory as well. So, so far, we're even. Yeah. Now, what were you going to ask? No, I want to go over the full main card if we're going to yeah. do that. Okay. So ask me the next two fights, too. Okay. Robbie Lawler, Bobby Volker. Bobby Volker. Oh. Why? You can now you, go into depth. Now I can go into depth? Okay. I think Robbie Lawler is, is a great veteran of the sport. I think Bobby Volker... 
is coming into the UFC. Um, seemed like in the UFC uh, Road to the Octagon show. I mean, he's it's two weeks' notice for this fight. He's trying to make a name for himself in the sport, in the organization. Look great in strike force. I think he's coming in with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, and I think he's going to take out Robbie Lawler um, aggressively. Okay, I'm taking Robbie Lawler. So there we have a difference. Yeah. Liz Carmuth, Jessica Andrade. Carmouche? That's Pick. what I said. Done. Oh, you're taking Carmouche. No, you said Carmuth, but yes. Did I say Carmuth? Yes. I meant Carmouche. Whatever. Yeah. She's getting picked. You know what I meant. And she's getting the You're win. picking her. Her okay. arm is going to be raised. All right, I take her as well. Good stuff. Now I'll ask you. Sleeper pick on the card, because from top to bottom, every fight on this card is good. You think but so? But what do you There's think? There's not a lot of people who are too excited about it. No, but how can you not be excited about Julie Kedzie getting her first UFC appearance? Ed Herman on the card. Eve Edwards, who is a knockout specialist. Ed Herman doesn't excite me. No? Da- he's Eve Edwards taking on Darren Cruikshank. Darren Cruikshank at the U- last UFC on Fox card we went to had that amazing head kick knockout. Mm-hmm. Eve Edwards had a knockout at the last UFC on Fox card we went to in Seattle. Uh, this should be a fun fight. How can you not be excited about Mac Danzig versus Melvin Gillard? That's a, a fun fight, too. Well, I like I like watching Mac Danzig. It's good to see him back. And Michael Chiesa, Jorge George Masvidal. Michael Chiesa will be fun to watch. I'm going to go with him. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a tough fight to call. I think Masvidal could have his way with him. But uh, I don't know. Have his way with him. That would be sexy. Uh, if you're into that. But, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fun fight. Danny Castillo go- doesn't get enough recognition. This little man should be able to beat up on Tim Means, and uh could be fun. It's yeah. going to be a fun, friggin' free fight card to watch. Absolutely. It's so, free. It's on Fox. So what, Check we, it out. Did, we didn't answer a question, though. What's the sleeper fight? What is your sleeper fight? I don't know. I think Chiesa Massive Ball fight is pretty good. Do you? Mm-hmm. I think my sleeper pick fight is going to be Eve Edward, Darren Crookshank. Okay, there we go. We'll see. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to be sitting beside each other in Seattle. Last time, last, last time. time you sat behind me. It was kind of yeah, creepy. I didn't like it either. You didn't like it? No, I didn't like sitting behind you. I had a great oh. time. Oh, I thanks. sat next to, uh, um, I forget what his name I was, was. sitting beside uh, Gareth Davies. Didn't you and, sit beside Spencer? And, and Spencer. I was yeah. in between. I was in a Davies kite sandwich. <laughs> it was sweaty and gross. Um, uh, I think I was sat next to Travis McPherson from uh, MMA Weekly. Okay. Well, we wonder who are we sit beside this time. Uh, who knows? And I was sitting next to a guy from the UG. Didn't talk to him at all. He was very quiet. Okay. But, yeah. We'll see. This Saturday. Live in Seattle. All right. We should probably... Uh, are we, am I allowed to wrap this one up now? Sure. Wrap it up. Throw it out there. I would like to thank our musical guests. Okay. Um, Ludacris. Uh, Outcast and Jurassic 5 for their great playing on today's show. That was your jukebox picks for the show today. Perfect. Awesome. All right, everybody. See you next week. Thanks to our guests. I should well. say listen. Or listen to me talk next week because you don't really see me. Okay, bye. The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs>